podcast. As always, you guys know who I am. I'm Patrick. Uh, we're going to have a good one today. We have our next guest. Now, our next guest here is a researcher. He goes in deep. He gets into uh, the midst of what it is that he's looking into uh, because a lot of the stuff that he's looking into is right in his hometown. Uh, but as you will find out today, it actually uh, expands out to much bigger uh, mysteries, bigger excitements, bigger wonders, uh, and obviously uh, a lot of sleuthing is happening with our next guest, Mr. Berserker Bear. What's up, dude? Pat, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Dude, Big fan. My pleasure, man. So I'm going to just, I'm going to get us teed off, dude. Um, you do a lot of your own research, man. You obviously have a family, you have uh, your, you know, a nine to five or some sort of regular job, but you spend a lot of time doing a lot of boots on the ground research um, of trying to understand not just our past, not just understand history, but just the world around us. And uh, you start right in your hometown because your hometown actually has a lot of uh, amazing qualities to it, uh, amazing history to it. And uh, kind of, it almost seems like a doorway in many ways to a lot of our history and a lot of our, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of just a lot of what, what's going on around the world um, and things that are you know, right in the book. So uh, do you maybe want to dive into a little about who you are, where you live, and then we can go from there. Sure. Um, yeah. First off, thanks again for having me on. I'm a big fan and, you know, bear, bear to bear. Um, this is very cool. So yeah, I was born and raised in Buffalo and uh, I guess I've always had a proclivity for history, though I didn't really pursue it as far as like higher education. If you will, I did do some years in Erie Community College, which is um, in the city. It's what you would call a Tartarian building, but uh, it's like um, Romanesque style. And um, so, yeah, I don't have higher education. I'm not like a historian professional, but I do um, have interest in looking up not only the city or the history of my city, Buffalo, but history in general. Because, you know, what we've been told seemingly isn't um, everything that's true. And the intentions and motivations behind and after things that happen, not to say that they didn't happen, but what, what really happened, right? And it started a few years back, you know, in with the bear community and looking at other channels that got that do the mud flood in Tartaria. It just got me thinking in a different way, like, wow, what if there was something different than what we're told from the mainstream? And you might hear me reference that mainstream or higher learning because I'm not like putting myself up as a target to go against it. Just questioning professionally. Right. And um I appreciate that leading because I guess I am a researcher in that sense of not just my city, but history in general. But that said about Buffalo, it's a good cross section, if you will, of all the different facets of what we look at it in a diff the niche of alternative history, whether it's like mud flood or Tartaria, like the buildings that are here or the kind of flipped history, even the certain um, like orphan trains. Like uh, in the orphan idea that about uh, Father Baker was a big name in the orphans um, game here in Buffalo about 100 years ago. And I did a deep dive on him. And that's a funny thing. When we were kids growing up in this area, everybody, and you mentioned Door also, Western New York, everything west of the Genesee River. And this, I'll start getting into some facts about, you know, the geography of this area, which is very interesting. Everything west of the Genesee River is called the Western Door. Now, I learned that from a book that I have that my wife found um, at the job that we're still at. So now, not only that, it's also called the Dragon Path. And I just learned that kind of recently in doing my deep dive on dragons, which was a huge chunk. But anyway, um, 
the Iroquois have it um, almost like that the Genesee River is the western door. Now, the, the Iroquois is part of the greater Seneca Nation of five different tribes that were here in this area prior to what is called the Phelps Gorham Purchase by the Holland Land Company. They're the company, the Dutch company, that bought all the land west of the Genesee River, right, which was allegedly bought from the natives who were all battling with each other. And anyway, this is what the main, the mainstream says, right? It's funny, though, but when you, when you look up uh, the actual Holland Land Company on Wiki, right, it's labeled as a in, unincorporated syndicate. So it's like at face value, you're like, whoa, that's kind of weird. You know, is that even a legal purchase? You know, general 100,000 foot view. And uh, facts about this area, the western door, the Dragon Path, um, it's one of the only places in the country that has on every deed of every household, the paperwork, the original purchase of the land from the Holland Land Company. Uh, my father has it. As a matter of fact, I want to present that in one of my videos. My father, my uncle, every deed on the households of all, every every house in Western New York has that stamp from Holland Land Company. So that's a cool, interesting, unique little tidbit about Western New York. Also, Buffalo has the uh, highest lot of houses built prior to 1950 in the entire country. So we're a real, we're a small city, like um, population wise. You know, if we have 300,000, that's a lot. The greater Niagara and Buffalo uh, region is kind of sprawling, though, you know, from Buffalo to Niagara Falls. So there's a lot of history and gravy in that. Um, and the Holland Land Company is where it all kind of starts to get into, you know, Western civilization, the, that whole. That's when all the records start coming in. Now, they say they purchased it from the, the, the Seneca Nation, the Iroquois, under it being an unincorporated syndicate, right? Now, I think that the natives are aware of that. And uh, is that, you know, just to question as a researcher, is that a valid land purchase, you know? And I think one of the arguments they use is like, well, they were all warring to begin with. So who really knows, you know, the whole modern academia or mainstream. So that's one thing. The housing lot is another thing. It just speaks to the history. There's, there, there's a lot of rich history here. Was there a flip, a reset? There's a battle of 1812 that came down from the French and the English down the St. Lawrence Niagara River has a, is very pivotal in that in the War of 1812. Was that a reset? They burned the whole, the whole city, also Black Rock. And now with that, I have questions about the infrastructure. We could talk about the architecture. That's one thing. And I kind of got through that with, you know, it's not all Tartaria. I'm not saying that it wasn't here, but we have to be distinguished. That's one of the things I do. I have a lot of books, old school books from my parents and my family, which I'm grateful for, honestly, like academic books, not just novels. And I cite that. I use that and I present it as a workaround to the Internet. You know, I can it's very funny. I kind of think that my grandfather might have been into the same stuff that I was, honestly, because mm -hmm. I'll open a book, man. And it's like, Grandpa, were you looking at the same stuff I am? You know, I got Erie Canal in there, uh, stuff about high school geography book, for example, from 1911 or 1912. And the curriculum, it says high school geography on it. And the curriculum level is like high, high level college. So it's like the curriculum right. back then, 100 years ago, was insane. right? So yeah, I use that to um, not only present my stuff. Of course, I use uh, the internet as well. But I also hammer on, you know, get into your addicts of your family or your, you know, relatives that are elderly. 
And uh, I coalesced all these books. I had some here. I'm living in the house that my grandfather pretty much grew up in, right? And my dad grew up in my little girl's room was my dad's room. And my Uncle Eric, uh, rest in peace back in the day. So full circle, right? And when it comes to family, it makes it so much more special. But somewhere, some books were at my parents' house, some were over here, and I just coalesced them all together, went through them, and realized that I have some very important old literature here that I felt compelled to share Absolutely. and incorporate that with what I do on Boots on the Ground. Now, yeah, just some real quick stuff about, you know, the Niagara River and get into the water aspect of it. But for... Um, well, before before we get into that real quick, because you, you've hit on so many great topics, and um, I'm going to always go into the presumption that not everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. You keep bringing up Tartaria. What What is Tartaria? We'll get to the water stuff, um, because I think that's going to be some thick gravy, but... You know, you keep kind of referring to an ancient civilization or something older known as Tartaria, but it might, might not all be Tartaria. Just if you want to maybe give a brief of what you're talking about. So as we move forward, if it gets brought up again, people kind of have a sense of what it is. First off, let me say, how dare you? <laughs> That's like the caveat, man. That's like the main thing that kind of is what brought me into the whole alternative research thing to begin with. What's Tartaria? Number right. one. It's uh, an extremely interesting name to say, you know, phonetically. Tartaria, it sounds great. Uh, so, man, initially... Tuna tartar. Yeah, and it's in a lot of stuff, you know, tartar sauce, you know. Um, mm. I can't, it's off the top of my head right now, I can't think of it, but it is yeah. phonetically in a tartar. lot of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. some of it's tartar. That's another thing. I have a book here, Crossword Puzzle, Pat, from the 1936, 34. My grandpa loved crossword puzzles, right? He would just sit in his chair and just do crossword puzzles all day, all day, and read. He read every single book that I have here. He's a legend. Uh, he would mute the commercials when it, uh, he would watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune all the time. When the commercials come on, he would mute it. Um, he's got a crossword puzzle book that has answers and all the definitions of words from back in the day. And uh, just perusing through it, I mean, 1936, 37 off the top of my head, something like that. And Tatar is listed in there. And man, when I first seen this, it's like two two years ago. And just I was just getting into the research, and that's what I'm talking about. Like I open up a book and I see Tatar. I'm like, Grandpa, you know, he's like he's speaking to me through the pages. Like I'm meant to do this. I'm, I'm meant to have this book. It's how I feel, right? Anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a label. It's It's defined as... All the different tribes are underneath it from Cossack. It, it labels Tartar as a main heading. And then it's got Cossack, Ulan, uh, Khans, all underneath it. As though it's one, as like a, if Tartar yeah. was a nation. So the book example of what Tartaria is, is a tract of land in northern Siberia, even Russia. And it uh, came down into Mongolia and China. And you can look that up in historical, you know, uh, mainstream papers. Okay. And they say it's just a tract of land as we will call Africa, Africa. It's not, you're not, when you're from Zimbabwe, you're from Zimbabwe. You don't say, yes, you would say the overarching Africa, but effectively what the mainstream is going to say is that it's just an attractive land. It doesn't represent a whole nation or a country. They were just a lot of different tribes in that area. The whole tenets of the alternative history is that whoa whoa no there's a lot of similar architecture all over the world we see old maps that have tartar in western america also um it says it uh, all the way down in um southern asia even in india the grand tartary that we look at it as an alternative history it seems like there was 
a massive realm-wide empire that through resets, through war, through possible mud flood, and that there's conjecture with that. We could talk about that. That's been wiped up, wiped out. And uh, for whatever reason, whether it's benevolent or malevolent, that's a whole nother series or a layer to get into. Because was Tartaria good? We say they were offering free energy through the cathedrals, through the star forts. And that's all well and good, unicorns and butterflies. But there's a lot more to it. And that's kind of where I did my pivot, where I, I was uh, bushwhacking Tartaria at one point. And for the sake of being more diligent with my research, I guess I, I changed it to be more broad about history. So the tenets of the alternative history about Tartaria, it was a huge realm-wide or global empire that was offering free energy with the Antiquitech, you know, the weather vanes that are on top of churches, which is just certainly something to that. So is it now to get more into it and scrutinize more, that's where I have my books. It's like, well, that's not Tartarian architecture. That's Romanesque. Or that's gothic. We got it in order to be taken more seriously and move the research forward. Instead of calling everything Tartaria and it's all a mud flood, we have to be more disciplined. And that's where I come in and get into the books and present that. I'm not trying to be against it. Like mud flood never happened. Sounds retarded, yada, yada. Tartaria sounds. Ret it's not about that. All I'm doing is hammering out definitions like star forts, for example. One of my good buddies that I bushwhack with, Radbear. He lives in Kendall, New York, just outside of Rochester. There's super gravy out there as far as old infrastructure. Right. He he brought to the table the main the definitions that they're Vauban forts. Now I'm not saying that there uh, there's two different types. There's a Vauban style fort, which is more landlocked, and there's mm -hmm. also a Menno Cohorn, which is uh, has more water incorporated with it. And I understand everybody calls them star forts. I get that. I do too. All I want to do is hammer out the idea of what they call them in the mainstream. And it's almost like a Tesla thing. They might have attributed that tech to them or that invention to them, right? And so people, when I first started saying that, were like, well, why are you going against Star Forts? Or, it's like, no, I'm not like, I'm just presenting what the mainstream is going to say. Because when they, if they were ever to um, rebut us, we have our, our definitions hammered out. That's where I come from. And that's where the books come into play a lot. Because I'm not relegated to just looking on the internet, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I just, I just wanted to also bring it up, too, uh, because uh, you bring up water, which kind of already, um, which is a good point to segue as well. But I just, I'm also real quick, you know, as you said, a lot of people, myself included, who looked into the Tartaria stuff, uh, maybe not as much as other people, but I definitely gave it a go and took, oh, this is really interesting. Um, one of the things that I, I found for me through my research and my background in the body and understanding the human potential and just continually that journey is that when you actually take a moment to take a step back, as you said about like star forts, for example, like what's the point of it? Oh, it's taking energy. What are church, the old churches doing? Oh, it's taking free energy from the ether and you know, all that jazz. But then it's actually when you take, you know, a, a 50,000 foot view, look at it all, you actually, and I'm under the impression now, the more I look into it, that a lot of these places are actually built and infrastructure is built off based off of the human body. And I can actually like, the more we get into it, I can start to show the parallels and the correlations. And if the way you talk about it, like, you know, for churches, you have the navel, you know, the 
you and the body, you have your navel, you know, your belly button. You know, you, you look at the way some of them are the star forts, the five-pointed star, you know, the five-pointed man. I mean, you can look at the different resonances of these things. You can look at how the, and I'm going to have uh, Lucas King on here again tomorrow. You can look at how the cement that they used, you know, and I know uh, Awar uses, talks about the cement, but the cement itself actually holds a certain tone, it certain a frequency. When you go to churches, it has a certain vibration, a certain echo. And you understand that there's a hollowness in many ways to this these infrastructure. And if you know it's parallel correlation to how bones are made, or rather designed, perfectly designed by the creator. So you start to see that there's a lot of these parallels with how these things are made. And uh, there's a lot of history and a lot of information that we uh, we are uncovering. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of show or set up for people at Tartaria a little bit. But with that being said, you did talk about some of these Tartarian star forts or uh, I forget the specific name you used, but they're based around water. It seems like a lot of these big states or these big cities are around water. A lot of these um, infrastructures that are have been powerhouses and hold a lot of history are around big water sources buffalo is one of those do you want to dive in big time yeah i think that there one of one of the main hypotheses that i have in buffalo among many about and it's related to um erie canal because the erie canal the terminus of it is in buffalo that's the erie canal is 363 miles long 36 locks the last one is in buffalo and um i think one of my huge grandiose uh, theories is that there was a, far, a fort, star fort, in Buffalo that's not historically attributed to it whatsoever. I think that it was, again, quintessential, um, usurped and mined and taken it down. And that's probably what I'm going to be doing, focusing on in my research coming up, is getting into the, the um, I fish there. It's the Erie Basin Marina right now, right? And it, it does seem, so you got two different styles and there's one right across the river in Fort Erie, Canada, which is landlocked and it's more basic and it's smaller. Of course, Canada, right? It's not as big and bulky as, as the American one, but, uh, it's a, it's good to distinguish that. So historically, this is a really cool and interesting thing. You know how uh, on forts, especially at the mouth in the, um, the deltas of rivers, there's always like two forts you have, you know, um, one on each side to defend it. Uh, historically, there's never been one in, on Buffalo side. There is an old Fort Porter, uh, which is to be distinguished from the one that I think that was in the center of Buffalo and Niagara Square at the old Erie Basin Marina. In my opinion, there was one there. It's actually shaped out in the old it looks like it looks like they hide it with infrastructure. Okay, I think they were hiding it and dismantling it as it goes. So that's kind of a tangent theory that I have. But yeah, now it's, Buffalo is unique because we have such a force of of river. It's it, it almost creates and here's where the, where the gravy is coming from the primary water type of deal, and we have some of the freshest water in the country because it's moving so fast. Not only that, it's so. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we have some of the fastest moving, freshest water in the country in the Niagara River. And when you say star fort in water, what I think of is how they, they I think they used the actual current of the river 
to push water into the old star, alleged star fort in Buffalo to either use it for healing properties, like back to structured water and transportations. Think of it like, um, not entirely like Venice, but I think a lot of old roads, think about it, road you drive on, row, row, row your boat. Some roads, I think, especially that emanate out from radials were canals. And if you have a bunch of different areas or nodules, Buffalo, Lockport, Oswego, they can be connected by radial. And I think way back in the day, they were. And I'm talking like Viking age, even before then. And I'll cite archaeologists like Barry Fell, who I'm, I'm, I'm getting a book from him right now, America BC. He posits that there were Phoenicians and Basques here in the New World, New World, 1000 BC. That's type of the, the work that I'm getting on. But with the Niagara River, it's in its own class, man. And it's just like a straight, I call it the Strait of Niagara because it's overlooked and it's underrated. It's a, it's okay. Here's some numerology for you. I was just saying about the Erie Canal, 363 miles long, 36 locks. The Niagara River is 36 miles long and it drops 333 feet in elevation. Not only that, because it's so short and it's got such a high flow, cubic flow volume, it's over 200,000. Now, if that's unheard of. The next closest one is like the Detroit River. And I think that that's over 70 miles long and it's got like 170,000 cubic flow rate. Niagara River has over 200,000 cubic flow rate and it's under 40 miles. It's 36 miles in length. That is unheard of. That generates such a force that at the pinch points, like under the Peace Bridge and the lower Niagara Gorge past the falls, it's ferocious. That creates a current and it also frosts and I think it cleans the water. Not only that with the Starford, I think that they use the current. It's like 14 miles an hour, dude, at the Peace Bridge. It's unbelievable. Many people have lost their lives there at that because a lot of people fish down there. And if you don't know and you're not familiar with water and you're not a good swimmer, if you jump in, you know, God, it could be curtains for you. And people have recently actually a, a, a scuba diver officer passed away when they were doing scuba dive driving training probably like five or six years ago. So anyway, where's the gravy? I think that they used to use that current to channel it into the old star fort here in Buffalo. And it almost would act as an artesian well. And that's where the underwater or under um, ground level gravy comes in because, you know, artesian wells use the pressure of water underneath the ground to spring it up in other places. So they actually could have been using that current of the Niagara River to do that in Buffalo. And I think they were. I think like Main Street would go all the way to the lake back in the day. I think this was all flipped at the War of 1812. And not saying that it was all unicorns and butterflies before that. As a matter of fact, like I cited in the Phelps Gorham Purchase, I think the Star Fort was buried. Half of it was buried. And uh, you could say mud flood or whatever. It could just be overgrowth. Could have been left vacant for a very, very long time. And a, a small portion, maybe a large portion of what I think people are calling mud flood is either um, maybe purposeful back, backfill or even just sedimentation from rivers overflowing and overgrowth over time, over millennia. So you, like that's a lot to any, bite off. 
Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any uh, remnants? Or is there any remnants or books that are talking about the Starfort? Or is this is this a speculation? This is pure um, speculation for me. What nobody else has ever talked about this. They um, they call it and label it a marina. And there, but here's the deal: because of the underwater infrastructure that's over there, like the intake tunnel or the intake, the round rotunda that we use now, it's called the Emerald Channel. That's got a tube running underneath it from uh, from the actual rotunda that's two miles out in the, the delta of the Niagara River that runs underground and hits Fort Porter. Mm. Now, that's labeled as ancient. Well, it's labeled as earthworks on that one 18 uh, region, 1812 region of uh, Niagara thing that I sent to you. Mm. That's the thing. A lot of it is earthworks that I think were underground. Now, how they did that, I have no idea. Also, our original intake for the river or for Buffalo is right under the peace bridge in about 20 foot of water. And like I said, with the current there, here's one of my major anomalies. I, I have, they said that that was sunk in the middle of the river in 1874. We would have a extremely hard time doing that now because the, the, um, the current and I've been right. trying to look up and I presented a while ago, man, I, I presented work on, how they would sink caissons in current. And it's been done before, like in like five miles per hour of water, six, seven, right. maybe approaching 10. But at that spot where that, it looks like a ship. And ever since I was a kid going to school, driving along the old uh, footpath of the Erie Canal, which is the 190 uh, throughway right now, they literally just put, here's a good example of infrastructure going on top of old infrastructure. The Niagara section of the 190 throughway is literally the old Erie Canal. So as I would drive along that as a kid, I would always look at that ship. It looks like a ship, man. But back in the day, they used to have a couple guys on it manned to melt the ice, allegedly coming down the the, the river before the ice boom was put up, right? So there's so mm -hmm. much stuff here. And I would always wonder, like, what was that? Now, I'm, you know, 20 years later, I'm researching it. And even the story for that intake doesn't really add up. It says that they were able to make coffer dams in the river at that speed in 1874. And that's the thing. I just don't buy it. And I can't find any good specific uh, data on it. I don't have the books for it. I have looked up schematics about the International Bridge and stuff like that. But there are no specific details. And there's a tunnel going underneath that thing to the, to the shore. Um, and it says right. drilled in bedrock. You know, they're each six feet in diameter, 12 feet apart, numerology. That's right. the stuff that I'm picking out. And those tunnels are connected to that star fort in Erie Basin Marina also. So it just seems like a series of earthworks that were here before that somebody came it's in almost, and obtained it and changed it over and just said it's all new. Yeah. See, this is, and, and I, again, I'm just speculating, but it's, it, it gets me to a point of thinking of like, okay. We understand that there's history. There's things that are uh, that are here before. We can say it's old ancient technologies and things like that. And I definitely think there's something there. In this situation, dude, if you're talking about and again all speculation, if Niagara is 36 miles, it has you know 360 knot uh, locks or whatever you were saying. It has uh, over 200,000 cubic. Uh, whatever what is it two two hundred thousand cubic what flow rate. Flow? flow rate flow rate it's almost like my mind is like 
if you're saying it's one of those anomalies in regards to rivers and things like that, and you have these infrastructures, and if you know, again, if you see current, things like that, and you're trying to build underwater structures within it, I'm almost under the impression, like, no pun intended, a floodgate was open. Because it's a matter of going, okay, this seems so unusual. And in order to stop the flow of something like that, and it's moving that fast, like at a time, and as you said, 1812 or before 1870s or whatever. 1874. 1874. It's going, hold on a second. How in the world did they, were they able to not just build within the area, but underneath, underwater, underwater infrastructure or tunnels? And my thought is, could it be there's a preparation for it? It didn't have that same flow. Maybe it had flow. Maybe it had a, you know what I mean? There was maybe some water. But to the capacity at which it came, could it be that that came after the fact, as in it was prepared for it or it was made? Thanks for checking out our free preview of the podcast. If you want to listen to the rest of this episode and many others like it, become a member at thepatlife.com.